Hey, welcome back to another edition of Talk Em Up. We're uh, here with Eric from Alien Tech at Zeus Australia and my old mate Feral Dave. Um, yeah, I've wanted to get Eric on, on Talk Em Up for a little while now because he's, a, he's sort of a... It's going to be hard to wind up. So that's why I've got Feral here. We'll give it a crack. We've got a cracky. Because he's sort of very straight-faced, very laced, so let's see if we can crack Eric. Welcome, Eric. Thanks for having us, boys. No worries. <laughs> you smiled. How are you, mate? Yeah. <laughs> well, too off here, isn't it? Yeah. Well, how Talk Em Up works is we say anything and everything, nothing gets left off the table, just throw your opinions in, doesn't matter whether they're right or wrong. Um, we're getting lots of feedback from, from our viewers, and they're asking different bits and pieces about the tuning world, dinos, all that sort of stuff. So I thought, well, bang, let's, uh, let's get the master here. This is the guy that teaches um, the Alien Tech software tuning all around the world, or the English-speaking world. Actually, go to China and did it, or India. No, I don't yeah, know, not do China, speak Indian? <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, Indians speak English. <laughs> Hopefully. Anyway. Yes, but we did. <laughs> not through COVID, but yes, USA, uh, India, and um, there's been hundreds of um, mechanics or tuners around Australia that uh, have been taught by this guy. So if you've been taught by this guy, you're, you're, you're going all right. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Right, hey, let's, let's get into this. There's something, look, the diesel world, we call it, I call it the diesel world because diesels for off-roaders and towing, um, let's say the last 30 years anyway, that sort of I've been involved uh, in the industry. If you're doing towing, like I said, or you know, long distance driving, diesel was the one you wanted, you wanted the torque. Yep. Um, but lately, the last couple of years, with obviously emission laws, there's lots of petrol vehicles on the market now that are forced induction, i.e. supercharger turbo. What do you think? Are we going to see a transition from people wanting um, diesel engines going to petrol engines because they're maybe cheaper? Can they get the fuel economies? I did. Yeah, yeah yours is not forced induction. Yours is a shitbox Tassin. Oh, that's a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> but no, true, you went in the petrol, but you you did it on a price thing. Um, <laughs> you're tired of us. Well, I'm in finance after all. Yeah, finance. <laughs> <laughs> There's your answer. That's it. But anyway, that's a serious question. Yeah, 100%. You're going to see a shift. It already has shifted because the automotive world and all the manufacturers are heavily based in Europe and America and those countries. Um, so they've got to meet those emission laws, right? And diesels become very unpopular from an emissions point of view for those countries to the point now they're phasing it out. It's no longer too expensive be to, uh, to become up with a diesel engine that when you get this, a lot cheaper manufacturing and I suppose research time to get a petrol done. You're um, part of the problem. You're also getting uh, laws changing in big cities in Europe now Correct. where there's actually bans on, on diesel. diesel cars entering yeah. cities at certain times in that now. It's a shifting, ever shifting, right? So petrol's actually come full circle because it used to be predominantly petrol and then we had a huge change thanks to the trucking industry with terms of common rail diesel engines and where we went there. And then that developed and come along to the point where we're at now, where we have really good diesel technology. It's come a long way, efficiency-wise, emissions-wise, everything like that. But the emissions laws are now getting so tough that it's one of the reasons is it's very difficult to make it so that they can meet those emission laws. But they can do that now with petrol. And the technology 
from diesel in some ways with the common rail has now transferred into the petrol industry. So we have direct injection injectors with high pressure fuel pumps, which means we can have fuel pressure in a petrol engine where we used to say have you know, 60 PSI under full noise to having 200 bar of pressure now. Wow. So we get better atomization of the fuel, so less detonation, we can have Just leaner Just the tech edge, 200 bar is how many PSI, roughly? Oh, off the top of my head. Get uh, conversion chart. Yeah, yeah, it's somewhere. a couple yeah. of thousand. It's in, yeah, it's up there. I can't remember off the top of my head. Do the quick conversion, you can do it on your phone. You, you, keep, but, you, you keep talking. Yeah, look, you know, things like that have, have led to better combustion process, uh, leaner fuel mixtures while producing high power, which has in turn led to, you know, smaller combustion engines with uh, more complicated turbochargers. That means we can have efficiency at low RPM and high RPM. Um, so we can have high power and, and low torque um, on that side of things. So, yep. you know, now we have these petrol engines that are making torque and um, power. 2,900 PSI. Yeah, there you go. So we're having Whoa. torque and power and everything like that um, at all different rev ranges so they can match in some ways to a diesel engine. Um, not, not always going to have the same amount of torque, but you've got more power. So, yeah, there, there is a shift happening. Um, it's coming in Australia as well. For sure, we're seeing more and more of it, um, but Australia's a little bit unique as well. So we'll definitely progress a lot slower than, say, Europe is going to, for example, because we're a vast country, and diesel for farms and stuff like that is very important. You know, yeah. um, but you're definitely getting a lot more power, a lot more torque, and a lot more fuel efficiency from a turbocharged petrol engine. And I suppose the days gone of um, well, it's a everything's got a use-by date now. So the building these engines only lasts a certain period where 30, 40 years ago, they were building engines, cast iron, big big piston, big bore, big stroke. Yeah. Um, used to get them low really rev, they just last thing. forever. Now that it's now that they can. The diesels are revving hard, petrols yeah. are forced induction now, they've got big turbos on them. There's, there's quite a bit of, but the technology is fantastic. Never look at the power they're cracking out of, but I sort of get it. Diesel went through, they started fitting DPS, I think it was 19, so 2008, we sort of started seeing them in Australia with um, different vehicles. Then Add Blue is the big one now. So that's, they're all things they had to add to get rid of the NOx. The NOx is the bad gas that comes out of the exhaust that pollutes, that ruins the atmosphere. Nitrous oxide, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And uh, that's the gas that obviously they use for DPS to lower that and the Add Blue. Um, they can't develop anymore. There's new rules coming out for the world laws. What do they call them? The um, Euro 7s Euro seven and 8s. But they already know what they're going to be and yeah. they just can't meet them. So it's much easier in the petrol. Petrol is easier to meet it with. All right? And yeah. we're even seeing now in petrol, you've got petrol particulate filters now. So yeah. you have a diesel particulate filter, you now have a petrol. You also have EGR valves in the petrol engines now, So which we've been seeing for quite some time. But yeah. You know, the same technology that we were seeing in diesel is being applied to the petrol side of things to meet those emission laws, which are getting tougher and tougher. Hence why you're seeing a massive push towards hybrid engines and electric motors and yeah. stuff like that. So, and to the point now where you've got companies like Mercedes and BMW and Volvo trucks and all those guys all coming out and saying they're gonna finish with uh, combustion engines by yeah. certain dates because, you know, they've had technology sitting in their closet that they've developed 10, 15 years ago yeah, that hasn't been released, shelf, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Everyone keeps saying that we're going to hit the EV. EV is just going to take over in five years. It's not going to happen. Not that quickly. It's had to happen. Yeah. Right. Maybe but the passenger cars. Yeah, will. around cities and stuff like that, you're going to see a lot more of that, and it will dominate 100%. Right. But 
it's going to take longer than that because manufacturers like Mercedes and all those big companies have technology that they've spent billions of dollars developing that hasn't been released yet. They're not just going to throw that away, right? So it's going to take time. It's going to be a gradual and progressive movement through it. And it's coming quicker than, you know, most people probably think. We, you know, most of the companies are talking about combustion wrapping up by 2039, 2040. That's not that far away now, mm. you know? So 10 years time, we're probably going to see the tipping point, probably earlier than that, probably around 2030 is going to be the tipping point where we see, even in this country, more electric vehicle sales than we do combustion engine sales. The, uh, in the EV side of things, the Tesla truck, uh, the semi, they reckon it's good for about 850 kilometers, yep. fully loaded. Yeah. And look, even that's not enough for them. For a, a trucks go to Weeper, trucks go to Birdsville. Yeah, but if you're so, running between Brisbane, Sydney, Sydney, Melbourne. That's only perfect. one route. Yeah, but correct. But for, a, you know. Yeah. Australia is, to me, is, Australia is just not, it's not like Europe. No. Where you can cross into probably five different countries by the time you've driven from Brisbane to Brisbane. Exactly, Birdsville. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not right. just that And it's just, it's just populated and there's, there's, they are, well, we were over there, there's just power plants everywhere, I suppose, yeah. charging points for yeah, your, yeah, yeah. your EVs. Australia just doesn't have... The facility it, yet. It's still the in facility. its infancy. But it's more than that too, you know, we're a bit like America, we're stubborn. Right? When it comes to vehicles and stuff like that, we love our big yeah. V8s, right? Even though we're moving Guilty. away from that. Yeah, 100%, <laughs> I'm saying. Right? We love the noise, we love all that sort of stuff, but we also love our diesels. Yeah. Our farmers, our tradies, we love our 70 series Land Cruisers. We have set up our way of being around. <laughs> Correct. And that's not going to change overnight. It's going to take an attitude shift. It's going to take some education into the, the marketplace in Australia for that to shift. You know, we're not Europe. Europe's a high density living country that doesn't operate like we do. It's easy. You drive one hour, you're almost in another country. Mm. One thing I mean, about Aussies, mate, is they actually do pick up on new technology sooner than later. And as, as, far, sure. as, as far as smartphones and all that yeah. sort of stuff go, so I reckon you might be surprised. I reckon oh, they'll, yeah. 100%, people are gonna take it up. It's not everyone, um, yeah. but it's just more like, you know, we like, our, you know, the 70 series is a great example. That car hasn't evolved other than engine technology in 20 odd years. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So, but it's still one of the best selling yeah. utes and like commercial diesel vehicles going around, right? You know, you can try, every time someone talks about getting rid of Toyota, talk about getting rid of it, Everyone goes up in arms. So, yeah. you know, it's not gonna, it's gonna take some time for those type of people to come around, right? It's, it's just not gonna happen no. swiftly. So there's a lot to it's it. It's not just the sake of, okay, I'll buy an EV. No. So, okay, we need to be able to support that. Yeah, we've got to support it. And, and that's, that's gotta be thing. built first. Right, we don't have- For the masses. We don't here in Australia have yet the systems in place. Yes, we have charging stations all the way to Cairns from Brisbane and all the way to Sydney. And that's great, but they're limited how many there are. So if the more numbers go on the road, the more of those we need. But then it's not like you can pull into a petrol station and 30 seconds later, you're full of fuel and away you go again, right? It takes even for a fast charge on a Tesla, it's like 30 minutes to, nah, or it's more. Down, it's down about 15. 15 yeah. minutes. And yeah. how long does that get you? Three, uh, well, it depends on the size of the battery and all that sort of stuff. But the, uh, my next door neighbor, Jez, he's got oh, a- Oh, Jez. Jez again. <laughs> um, probably about, 350 Ks? Yeah. 15 minutes. Which is great for 15 minutes. 350 kilowatt supercharger. But you still have to stop for 15 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas petrol, you don't have to stop for 15 minutes. 
the laws of, or not really the laws, but the, rec trucks. the recommendations of uh, people travelling is to stop every couple of hours. Correct. But and we both know people flight. don't do that. No, I know. But if you're, we actually did this when I uh, when we did a trip to Rockhampton, pulled yeah. up every couple of hours, grabbed a coffee. It was one of the most relaxing trips that I've ever done. But normally, like when we were on, remember we used to be on those shoots and we just punch out a thousand kilometres yeah. in a day and you're yeah. wrecked by the end of it. Yeah. It's a good way to slow down. 100%, yeah, I agree really with you. Is. And it's gonna take some people time the to adapt to that. The other thing was, I still reckon this is gonna happen faster than you reckon it, it what it's gonna, I just feel getting a bit tongue-tied now. Um, I was saying- <laughs> you hung a, over, Farrell. A little bit, no. <laughs> I was saying to Glenna yesterday that um, when the uh, internal combustion engines first come out, the transition from uh, horse and cart over 100 years ago, that only took 13 years. Yeah. That's okay. quick. It's quick in real life terms. That it is. is 13 years quick. goes like that. And so. I reckon this is going to be a lot quicker. You might be right. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. I think, I think around towns, like you've got your Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, yeah. so those, absolutely, because you're not going to do 350 kilometres in a, you know, in a week. No. To and from work, dropping the kids off, going to the shops, shit like that. You come home at night, you just plug it in anyway, so it's yeah. always going to be 100% charged. But yeah. it's, it's, it's the people like us that towing caravans, going, you know, yeah. doing the five, six, thousand k's a day well um, there's a bit of an issue there with the towing of the uh, vans and that with evs as well because uh i think it's about a quarter to a fifth so they're actually not as good as towing they will do it but the actual consumption of energy to move a van you want to get about uh, about a fifth or about a quarter of the actual normal distance yeah yeah and that's so, a problem see so there's yeah. there's still things to be solved yeah you know and it might happen let's say it happens in Faster than 13 years, happens yeah. in 10, that still takes us to yeah. that tipping point of 2030. People towing right. too, you're talking about a small number of, in a demographic in the grand scheme of things, yeah. but yeah. 100%. And yeah. look, at the end of the day, like I said before, it's it's going to happen, whether we want it to yeah, or yeah, we yeah. don't want to. That's what's coming. I'm excited by it. Yeah, it's different. New too. technology. Look, um, the 300 series is coming out shortly. There's a V6 diesel, twin turbo diesel, and the V6 twin turbo petrol. Um, I don't know what I'm going to buy. I'm hoping he buys the petrol. <laughs> but either way, there's going to be a market for both. Yeah. You know, Toyota, traditionally, the owners love the diesel side of things. Yeah. Right? They buy it for their big, big engine, big torque, big car, you know, that feel. There was very few people running around with petrol side of it in the V8. But with a turbocharged V6, oh, yeah. maybe it will change people's opinion when they drive it. The fuel I think economy to go with it would be awesome. It'll probably have another 100 kilowatts over the diesel. Peak power. power, it'll be down on torque. It yeah. won't have the same torque, but it will definitely be up on They're power. They're not that far behind. Like when you compare the, no. uh, the V8 Land Cruiser compared to the V8 Patrol, it's only about what, 90 Newton meters difference? Or yeah. pound, whatever the unit measure of torque is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking the old V8. 200 series. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Now yeah, we're yeah. talking about real engines, uh, forced induction. Oh, oh right. Sorry, my <laughs> mistake. <laughs> Not actually aspirated stuff. Yeah. We do can you, fix that for you, Farrell. Do you, do, you, do you need some assistance on yours? <laughs> you know what I was disappointed about? When I thought Triple um, Eight were going to bring out the V6 um, turboed engine in the yeah. uh, supercars. Yep. They had it cranking. It was good. I, and then they've just gone back to the naturally aspirated V8. Be because the the general population of support for it, yeah, when their polls wasn't there, correct. But so they, people wanted they're to probably, retain they the They need to make noise. the move first. Yeah, it's like Formula One, the hybrids. Yeah. I think it's fantastic that they're they're doing it, and the technology that 
you know, you've got Mercedes and um, Ferrari and all these. these Even Red Bull with Honda now, yeah. Absolutely. The, yeah. It's sort of fantastic spot. It's it's so exciting, you know, the, the strategies around, like, you know, charging up the batteries before they release them, for, you know, full power mode for the yeah. last couple of laps or to overtake someone. The, yeah, the technology is great and it all gets passed back down absolutely to the manufacturers that's why they're involved in it and that's you know this is one to bring back your point with the v8 supercars here in australia or the, the supercars now not going to that v6 is why is partly why holden no longer has interest in being in australia or being you know gm has interest in being involved on that level with the supercars yes they're going to continue with the camaro and stuff like that but manufacturers to be involved in a series like that need to have relevance to the market they're selling in 100%. and we're just not heading in that direction anymore yes in america with the ls motor and the camaro and stuff like that it's still happening and we're going to have that here but it still has a shelf life mm. you know you look at the mustang they have two options you have the v8 but you also have the EcoBoost. i reckon another 10 years if supercars this is my opinion if they don't pull their fingers out their audience is going to be gone because the new flood of supporters coming through for that racing they, don't know, they won't know what a V8 is. Correct. They're clinging on to the older... They'll be the Audis. Yeah. They'll be the BMWs, the Mercedes, all the European market. Like, yep. I think that's coming back the whole... Remember the it needs to be cars? more of a GT3 style series yeah. going forward. And they're heading in that direction without even knowing they're heading in that direction. Yeah. You know, I spoke with Craig Lowndes at Triple Eight um, about 18 months ago about this at a Saks Day. And he thought they were heading more for... Name dropping. <laughs> <laughs> They were heading for more of a... Uh, Elon, the phone call with Elon yesterday. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> he thought they were heading more for the Korean market, for the Asian market, and that we'd be seeing Kia Stingers and all that sort of stuff inside 18 months, and it just hasn't happened. Because mm. the market in Australia is just, you know, while those vehicles are here, that's not the support market. That's not your cult vehicles that you're going to get your young supporters that you're talking about, your 20 to 35 age. My generation coming through love the v8s but we also love our hybrid turbos and all that sort of stuff right um whereas the older generation that when supercars started is all about the noise the v8 noise and everyone loves that but it's just not where the manufacturers going are going back a few years remember the old sierras like the yeah. turbocharged and yeah. the uh, the gts yeah. and that and they had the old group eh? And the series worked yeah. then, didn't it? Oh, Skylines. It was, yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah, it was good. Know? Yeah, it was good. It wasn't until the Skylines dominated at Bathurst and there was a big uproar and support that they yeah, basically yeah. went all the way to V8s and yeah. it didn't yeah. look back from there. And there was a time where that was fantastic. Absolutely. But it has to evolve. Yeah. It has to change. Yeah. Cool. That was a good subject. Exciting times. It is. Bring on the 300 series. I don't know. I'll test drive both and I'll just rock up with one. You're yeah, going to probably end up with that new uh, EV... Um, Forward, the lightning. the lightning, yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like to know when they're coming to Australia. That, that would be awesome for um, our dust them up trips, something it's like that. great to see Ford, actually. I'm loving it because I don't need to install a dual battery system. Yeah, okay. Just got one dirty big battery in it. Plug everything into it. Yep. Yeah, then one fuel source here. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'll have to run the Jenny at night to charge it up. Yeah. <laughs> Petrol. I've seen some funny photos of that too. Yeah, Tesla yeah. charging stations being powered by a generator yeah, yeah. on the back of it in third world countries. <laughs> Chugging out diesel tubes and stuff like that. Uh, righto. Let's... Something. Look at that. We've got that there. That 200 bar is 2,900. 2,900 PSI. So. In your world. Tuning world. Okay. Um, issues. Um... I want to say not issues. 
the public now, we've, over the last sort of probably 20 years, that, 20, 30 years that we've been involved, we've been working together for 20 years now, is dyno results. A lot of people out there, a lot of guys using dinos out there are using trickery and the general public are getting confused about what is and what isn't. I'll walk in with a dyno graph or it'll, the dyno graph will be up online saying, I can say 200 horsepower at the wheels. And then they'll go to a dyno shop and they'll go, well, my mate's got 200 horsepower. Well, how much horsepower can you give me? Oh, well, it, and it's just a load of bullshit, right? <laughs> Pretty much, just a cut to the chase. <laughs> so each dyno is different. Each dyno operator can set it up differently. Tire sizes, um, tread patterns, tire pressures, how they're strapped down. You see it every single day. Yep. Educators a bit more. Well, let's, firstly, every dyno should be the same. They were designed to work yep. that way. The problem is people don't follow the systems, people want to do it their own way, people strap the cars down their own ways, they set their air temperatures up differently or they don't use their automatic weather station. You're talking about uh, setting your temperatures, just tell us talking what about, that means. Yep, talking about the dyno's inlet air temperatures yep. to, to what the car is getting inlet air temperature wise, what the atmospheric conditions for correction are inside the computer. There's so a, a lot, lot of that goes into this, isn't there? There is. Yeah. So if you wanted to debug something, you could, the inlet air temperature really should go into the air box or exactly the closest point to where the air is actually entering the engine, right? Yeah, it should be where, basically where your air filter is essentially, yeah. right? But people don't do that, it's inconvenient. If you've got a turbocharged engine, it's not really ideal to stick a probe down the intake, yeah. you know, because it gets sucked <laughs> into the turbo quite easy. We've seen that plenty of times over the years from different workshops. Yeah. Um, but, you know, really the problem has become because the industry is so populated with tuning now, and so many people now have dynos, it goes out the window. People are just doing their own thing. And what this lead has led to is confusion in the retail market. One, a lot of, firstly, a lot of guys in the retail side don't understand the difference between flywheel horsepower and wheel horsepower, or flywheel kilowatts and wheel kilowatts. It's very different, okay? Um, but then they go into a shop and they get, their mate car gets tuned and let's say it's a, you know, a Ford Ranger, for example, right? He goes in, gets his Ford Ranger tuned and he got 200 horsepower at the wheels out of it, right? And then, his mate had that done, he goes to another shop and they're like, yeah, yeah, we can tune it. Oh, it'll get 180 horsepower. Oh, my mates gets 200 in the other shop. Well, you can't make 200, mate. Our dyno makes 180 with our tune on it. Or for example, oh, I don't want to go, they want to go to my mate's one. What did your mate's one make standard? Oh, it made 170 standard. Well, they don't make 170 standard, they make 140 standard. So it was already 30 horsepower up. So in reality, the dyno is just a tool. Yep. It's a rolling road that allows you to test and diagnose and check the tune in a vehicle in a safe operating environment without being out in the road, in the public, allows you to go full throttle right up to 250 Ks, whatever your dyno set up to, and tested that. It's only relative what you had when you came in versus what you had when you left. So it doesn't matter if old mate's made 200 horsepower on his dyno, if you get it tuned by the other mob, if they know what they're doing, they're gonna get the same results anyway. And they get, if they get 180 and they started at 140 versus 170 to 200, the result is essentially the same. You know, it's, it's only relative to your car on that dyno on that day before and after. Got to look at before and after. It's a percentage increase yep. before, before and after. So, so many people get, you know, caught up on the, on the figure, especially... On the numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah on the numbers, yeah. especially on the, the diesel side of it. It's become a real, real problem of late. It's always been the, the case with petrol. Even since the days before tuning the factory ECU and you've used aftermarket ECUs more. 
Um, it always has been an issue. Oh, such and such can get me this or such and such can get me that. It really is only relative to your car and every car is slightly different too, right? Every car, just because one car comes in making 140 and the next one makes 145, doesn't mean there's a problem with your car. There's tolerance difference from the manufacturer in the manufacturing process. So you also got tire sizes, tires are tread sizes. pattern. Yeah, hundred percent. How hard you strap one. it down? Yep. Um, pressure in tires. Correct. Yep. Yep. How it's strapped down on the dyno. Yeah. Exactly right. So it doesn't matter who tunes your car. It's only relative to their dyno on that day and how they set it up. Because the next person that you go to on a different dyno is going to set it up differently. Yep. It's not going to be the same. And so. all it is, like you said. It's just to test what, you, what you've tuned. Because, yeah. And that's another point, EC you're remapping. It's not like the old days that say GQ Patrol with a 4.2 diesel or your 80 series Land Cruiser where you needed a screwdriver, a 12 mil, and a bleed valve with an Allen key. Yeah, correct. You set up, but you run on the dyno, you see what your boost is, uh, what your fuel ratios are pretty much. And then you would tune the boost and the fuel to a safe level. Where it's not, so you needed the dyno to, to do that. Yeah. Now, we're only using the dyno to test what we are programmed. It's like the way I'd, I'd like to um, tell people this is bring it back to easy terms. It's like an Excel program. We put formulas in there to make, if you type in one in this box and two in this box, you say, okay, one, the formula is one plus two equals, and there's your answer three. It's the same thing with ECU remapping. It's a formula that is put into when you're programming it to give a certain outcome. In basic sense, yeah. yeah. You know, obviously, it's more complicated than that and complex, but in a nutshell, you know, that's an easy way to describe the so result. So you can't, you can't really stuff it up. It's just oh. because of the foot. You can if you don't put the right formula in. Yeah. If but you don't use the right, in. you know, if you're not getting the right values and targeting the right numbers, especially on either side, diesel or petrol, you, you can, you know, get it wrong and get it very wrong. But the dyno, what you, you're saying is, is essentially right. The dyno we only used to verify what we've asked it to do. Yeah. All right. We don't. There's no live tuning on that front really anymore, um, unless you're using aftermarket computers. So with all the diesel and even all the current petrol model stuff, it's all tuning the factory ECU. It's not live tuning. It's what you'd more call chip tuning. Right. You're programming the software in the ECU. You then load it on the dyno and you run it up and you check and verify that it's doing what you've asked it to do. Yeah. Right. So it's more of a verification process than sitting there with a, an aftermarket ECU and live tuning and watching the numbers as you're changing them in the car and all that sort of stuff, you know. So, it, and it is physically possible to live tune factory ECUs. It's just the software is extremely expensive and it's extremely complicated and, and complex. And time consuming. Yeah, 100%. And you end up with the same result. Because we don't drive at 100% throttle anywhere. Correct. For a period of time. <laughs> that's it. And that's what a dyno does. It measures everything at 100% throttle. Yeah. I know like when you're doing a, a towing tune, which will give between say, I don't know, two and a half thousand RPM and 4,000 RPM or what are the... On a diesel it'll be, you know, the towing tune, you're going to focus heavily on torque and between sort of 1,500 and 2,000, 200, 2,500 RPM. That's where you're going to spend most of your time driving, somewhere between 30% and 70% throttle. But that, yeah, so that's not 100% throttle and you yeah. can't show that on a dyno, so... Yeah. It's not easy to show it anyway. Yeah. It is it is possible, but it's very difficult to manipulate and hold the throttle steady for an entire ramp at, at you know, 30 or 40 or 50% it's very throttle. very hard to replicate it. Yeah, whereas full throttle, you're, you, you're at the stop. You can't go more, you can't go less. Yeah. So, yeah. And Dino, again, is just a tool. And I think going back to your original point, one of the, the biggest things that the retail client out there can really do is understand the relationship between the flywheel power 
and willpower from factory. And then you know if you do some basic math. So basically, whatever you've got in kilowatts at the flywheel. So if the manufacturer comes out and says, you've got 300 kilowatts at the flywheel factory, right? Whatever you've got in kilowatts in flywheel, minus about 5% off of that, 5-10%, and then say 300 to 10%, you're down to 270, right? So then you've got around about 270, 280 horsepower, horsepower at the tyres. Because so you lose you that through the drive You'll line. lose a little bit through the drive line for loss. Sometimes in the newer stuff, it's a little bit closer to the exact. So whatever you've got in kilowatts, you, you've got in power. But to give you a rough guide, if you just work on whatever kilowatts at the flywheel is what you'll have approximately minus a little bit in horsepower at the wheels. There's a big difference between kilowatts and horsepower. But whatever you've got kilowatts at the flywheel, you will have similar to that in horsepower at the tyres. So if you go into the shop to get your car pre-run before a tune, and you know it's a 300 kilowatt motor, and they run it up and it's making 330 horsepower at the tyres. Their dyno is either really friendly or the way they've strapped it and set it up is allowing it to make more power than it actually has stock. Okay. okay? So it gives you an idea. You can go, okay, their dyno is going to read a little bit higher overall. You know, if you go in there and it reads, say, 220 horsepower, then maybe they're overstrapping it to make the gains look a lot bigger than it was as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you, you can sort what of do the rough math. Yeah. yeah, but it's just an easy way for the retail guy to understand and convert yeah. it and just yeah, go, yeah, you yeah. know what, this is not. And let's be honest, that you do get some freak motors out of the manufacturer from some time to time, ones that make a little bit more power, but none of them are going to make 30 or 40 horsepower yeah. more. Yeah, no, it's just than interesting the hearing the, the little tricks of that that people use, all at the uh, backyard board. Oh, use. yeah, temperature sensor <laughs> corrections, jacking it through the roof, or, yeah. you know, um, modifying the um, atmospheric conditions of the dyno so that it thinks it's different conditions to what it actually is, loosening yeah. the straps right off. I've even seen guys actually strap on a chassis dyno, strap the wheels to the onto the front roller only. So they're not sitting between the two rollers wow. and allowing it to walk onto the front roller. They're actually strapping it up on top and permanently strapping it like it, like a Mustang dyno in America or something like that, or a Dynapack dyno, mm. um, where they actually sit on one roller. And the readings are much higher. So a Hilux like, will go from like, with a tune in it being 145 horsepower, for example, to reading 170 horsepower. Mm. So really friendly. Yeah, right. But if that's the way they want to do it, that's okay. Not making that wrong, it's just the client needs to understand that yeah. their 170 horsepower on a normal dyno is probably more like 140 horsepower. Yep. So you're not actually getting more power by going to that person. They're just making themselves to the retail look better yeah. so they can get more work through the door going, yeah. oh, I'll get more power out of your car, but you yeah. don't actually. So yeah. it just gets it closer to what the actual flywheel reading is. Yeah. So. Answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> Knows what he's talking about, doesn't he? You can become a tuner now. <laughs> right. Only on Datsuns, though. Well, I'm going yeah. to give you one more. Um, actually, we'll, yeah, we might, we'll see if we've got time for one more question. Dishwashers. Dishwashers. <laughs> Your son's pretty good at it. Are you? Do, do you ever stack and unstack a dishwasher? Yes, I do. Okay. Knives and forks. Yep. Handles down or handles up? Handles down. Right, so the pointy bits, the sharp bits of the knife up yep. and the forks up. Why? Because I always find they get stuff stuck on them that they don't clean properly through the dishwasher. So I can, Yeah, I just find they clean better when they're sticking up. I'm going to give you the real answer one day. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's easy to find, it's on, it's on Google. <laughs> I'm not making them being down wrong. But now, your dishwasher doesn't have a, a, a jet at the bottom or jet at the top? Uh, it has one at the bottom. 
on the, on the current dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do you do when you um, when they're washed? How do you pick them out to put them back in the drawer? Just pick them up and put them in the drawer. <laughs> okay. I pick them up by the, like they're always sticking up by about that much at the top. So you can grab underneath okay, the sharp bit, no worries at all. Yes, and I no. grab multiples at a time. So. Yeah, I know I'm a down. But. I'm the handles up, so I just grab them and chuck them straight back in In fairness, there. I don't stick my cutting knives in there. No. Or they lay down. Land the top right. Yeah. So it's only your, your normal knives. It's not my steak knives. It's just your, your normal bread knives and butter knives. Email in or leave us a message on Track Hacker's uh, Facebook page as to handles down or handles up and why. I'm asking everybody this question. <laughs> it's just a, it's a good question. It's a good question. Everyone's got their own theory. They do. So it's about 50-50 at the moment. Is it? There you go. Yeah. Last one, COVID jab. You gonna get a COVID jab? That's a complicated question and a complex one. It's... Sorry, the yes or no. Uh, <laughs> it depends. In all honesty, it depends if it's required to travel overseas. Yeah. If it's required that I have to have one to travel overseas to come back into Australia, then I'll, you know, there's not Maybe really an option. But... What are I, your concerns? My concerns are, from the research I've done so far, it's not actually a vaccine. Mm. Okay? If you look at how it's patented in America for the Pfizer vaccine and stuff like that, the documentation that I've seen is it's not listed as a vaccine, okay? And people are still getting the virus and are still asymptomatic when they have the vaccine. So the vaccine, all it does is reduce the symptoms that come with COVID-19. Doesn't stop you from getting COVID-19. That's, that's my opinion, what I've read on it so far. That's usually what a flu jab, that's how a flu jab works, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is a flu, isn't it? But, you know, it's not, it's not like a polio vaccine or something like that where it stops you from getting the thing. It's, yeah. it's a treatment, okay, to stop you from the severe symptoms of COVID-19. So, essentially what they're saying by everyone getting it is, well, everyone's going to get COVID-19 at some point, so we'll just reduce the symptoms of it. Yeah. You know, so... And having said that, now from what I've seen, there's now a Queensland team down the Gold Coast has developed a treatment for COVID-19 that kills it in its tracks. So if you contract it, you go to hospital, you get this treatment, it kills it. It'll be 18 months to two years before it's in the public. But for me, if, you, if you've got that, why take the risk of a vaccine that we don't know the long-term side effects of? And people can say that it's safe, but people sat there and said other vaccines in the past were safe and then 10, 15 years later, we find out there's side effects to those vaccines. So it's a complicated one. Mm. I don't know. My kids have been vaccinated when you know, they were babies. So you know, I'm not against vaccines or anything. I'm not an anti-vaccine or anything like that. I just don't know that I trusted its early days. They were all rushed. It's the fastest we ever put a vaccine out. Yeah, it did come out pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, and you know, there's people in America, hundreds of people that have had the vaccine and are still getting it and still spreading COVID-19 after they've had the vaccine. You know, we've got issues with blood clots, and I know that's a small percentage, but you know, it's a risk. It's a risk not getting the vaccine and getting COVID-19 too. And you get the vaccine, you can still get COVID-19, but then you had the risk of getting blood clots from the AstraZeneca one. So. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question with a yes or no. Mm. Circumstances. Interesting. It will, it will depend. Yeah, depends on your circumstances. What about you? Are you going to get one? Um, look, I'm hesitant. I remember back in 2009, I think I told Farrell yesterday that I had a flu jab. Not saying it was it, but it was just like, oh, well, like a week after that, I was in hospital for a few months. Yep. 
Remember that talk? I do. We were, we were still working yeah, together pneumonia. back then. Yep, it just went through me and it, um, yeah. Nearly, and different people react me. differently, right? I'm not saying it was a jab, but I've never had another one since. Yep. That was the first one I ever had and I got so crook and nearly died. Yep. So. I can say I've never had a It was an influenza jab and that's what I ended up with. Yep. I've yep. never had the flu shot ever. Yep. My kids have had it. Nicole yeah. insists on the kids getting it yearly, but I've never, never had one. And to be honest with you, I get sick a lot less than they get sick. Yeah. I... But they are dealing with schools and yeah. hands and mouths yeah, and yeah, all that yeah, sort of yeah, stuff. So yeah. that's going to, you know, obviously be thing. But they bring it home and, you know, Nicole, she gets the jab and she gets sick every winter, whereas I've sort of avoided it for the last three or four years. Mm. I, I rarely get, well, you see me all the time. Yeah. I rarely get sick. So. Well, I would... Same thing, circumstances. Yeah. If there was a big, like if Def Leppard or Kiss were playing and I had some tickets to it in the US, I, I, I'd get them. Just shoot me up. I'd get, <laughs> give me double jabs, please, I'm going. Yeah. I'd risk it for that sort of stuff. Or I'd go to Canada for Christmas in the snow. See, I, I would think Feral is uh, definitely a getting one. If I need to, I will, yeah. Yeah. It's, so. um, yeah, if I need to, I will. Yeah. Really. Well, I don't like to think about things too much, but. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> No, it's, it's a tough one. Very good. Mm. Thank you. There's another talk from up. <laughs> Done. Uh, very interesting. And he's good. We're, uh, I think we just learned a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, I know do. a lot about the tuning world. It's been my life for the last sort of 25, yeah, I've learned a lot today. longer Thanks, years. Mate. But no Eric is the master. Yeah. Um, he definitely does what he's talking about. Yeah. And if you're a mechanic or just got an interest in tuning, get onto Alien Tech uh, Australia. You come and do a training course and learn to be a whiz master like old Eric here. Righto, take care, see you on the next talk I'm up. I'm going to go and have a sleep now because my head's hurting from information <laughs> overload. <laughs> <laughs>